Welcome to the Clear-Headed Podcast. I'm Kate Madry, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. This is the podcast that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their sobriety. Super LA of me, but I like to start every episode with a deep breath in. So if you're driving to work or you're on your way to run some errands or maybe you're in bed getting ready to wind down, let's just start with a deep breath in and out. Okay, let's get clear-headed. How do you cope? It's a question that we ask ourselves in this episode when I sit down with Zodi Tujul, host of Sober in the Morning. We touch on the many facets of her life and her journey with alcoholism throughout it, from lack of shown diversity amongst the sober community to how to stay creative through your first few weeks. We discuss a lot. There are so many moments, just like everybody, that led up to Zodi2's reevaluation with alcohol. But it really started after an event too many women go through after moving to a new city at 18 years old as a freshman in college. I actually started drinking after I was sexually assaulted. So before that happened, I didn't really drink that much. I would go to like the occasional party and probably have like a beer that I was very unfamiliar with, you know, and like Prosecco or something. So I didn't even have an understanding nor a palate for alcohol. But after my sexual assault, I used that as a form of coping because I didn't know who to speak to, how to heal. And it just seemed like the easiest way to escape my problems at that time. And that continued forth for for many years. And then it just became a part of the lifestyle. You know, even alcohol is a part of an essential product when you're like when Uber Eats or Grubhub and things like that. So it wasn't out of the norm for me to drink and the way in which I was drinking. I was the person that would bring a bottle of wine for myself and then a bottle of wine for the party. And I didn't have anyone around me or any mentors that I could speak to about, you know, this issue that I was having that I was unaware of. So on January 29, 2018, I had like a superior blackout moment. And I was listening to another podcast the other day, actually, and they were talking about blacking out and how the misconception is that when you black out, you just pass out. But blacking out has everything to do with being totally in your body, but out of your body and out of sound and out of mind. And I had so many of those experiences, but that specific day was like the last straw for me. The very next day, I made an emergency therapy appointment. My therapist suggested AA, and that's when it got like real. That's when it got very real for me. And instead of choosing AA as an outlet or an outsource, I knew in my heart it was done. Like I had to stop. I had to stop because I had to save myself, to be honest. Yeah. That is actually the day that I had my last drink. So that's like when I say like the day I got sober because it was my most sobering moments of of all. It's important to acknowledge that everyone's journey is nonlinear, right? Like, so listening to me, you know, and hearing me today, or even when people listen to you, they can't assume that their journey or experience is going to be like yours. Yeah. I want to talk about a couple of things that you just said, because there was so much goodness in there. There, there were a few <laughs> Love it. Love this already. Yes, I completely agree that everyone's journey is not linear. Sobriety is not linear. 
questioning your relationship with alcohol is not linear. And I think that, gosh, it's also so true that who you surround yourself with really informs how in touch you are with your relationship with alcohol. You know, if everybody else around you and all of your friends are partying and raging or they don't see a problem with it, it's going to be very hard for you to examine that as a problem. I mean, I I shared that. I share that struggle too with when I got sober and my friend group and they were all built on booze. <laughs> and when yeah, things are, are built on booze, it's really, you don't want to take the booze away because then everything else falls. When your therapist said to you, have you considered AA? And you had that click moment of, ah, okay, we've gotten to this point, to the point of somebody suggesting AA. That's how unhealthy the relationship is. What did you do to remove yourself from alcohol? What were the first couple of moves that you made? Actually, at that time, when I first, I I was living at home uh, with my mom and my grandmother, as well as my brother. So I was living in a, in a full house and my mom's not a drinker and my grandma was well in her 90s and my brother isn't a drinker either. So there wasn't, the only time there'd be alcohol in the house is if I'd bring it. I wasn't a stock kind of gal, you know, I just mm-hmm. like get like a bottle here and there. So I didn't have to, thankfully, I didn't have any temptations in my direct household. So I didn't have to worry about that. And while I was on the journey of recovery at that time, I decided to record an audiobook, And I used that as a forum, a new forum form of therapy and coping. I have a a background in writing. I've studied writing my entire life. One of the tools that my therapist gave me was, well, why don't you start journaling? And to a writer, that's kind of like, okay, (laughs) I journal all the time. You know what I mean? And it was just like, it, it, it didn't feel like it would really do much. So instead what I did, I would just like use my voice memos on my iPhone as a stream of consciousness. And that turned into me reaching out to a producer that I was working with at that time. And we created like a full body of work, which was really exciting called Zodichoism's 10. Uh, I'll be re-releasing this year. And also I have some visuals on my website. During the time of getting sober uh, uh, within my recovery, so many things were going on. I just turned 30. I decided to record an audiobook. So it's really a coming of age story of like me navigating and trying to find my way. And like just a, you know, a personal side. I'm a Gemini. So like I'm always navigating and, and looking to find my way as well as a creative. So it's like always ever evolving. So that's what that looked like for me at that time. I had a, I had an opportunity to focus my energy and my mind on something creative. But with that being said, there was no social life for me. People initially didn't know how to relate to me. Uh, they didn't want to invite me out because they didn't want to necessarily like maybe feel like they were triggering me. They didn't know how to interact with me. And then over time, that honestly grew into me no longer wanting to be in those spaces because they personally didn't serve me. So I would say the first year felt semi-isolating, but I had the blessing of focusing all of my energy and my attention on this creative endeavor. And then over time, you're just like, oh, wow, I see that what I thought that was may not have been that or I'm no longer this. Yeah. When I 
got sober too, I threw myself into a project and I think it's a really helpful tool that anybody can do. We're obviously both creative people and, you know, to anybody out there who's maybe not in the creative field, there's so many different things you can do or you can try to get in touch with your creativity. But for me, and I, I'm curious to know about you as well. For me, the reason I was drinking so much is because I wanted to quiet my mind and escape. Okay. And so when I got sober, all of those voices were back and, and that noise was louder than ever. And mm-hmm. the healthier alternative to quieting that noise was to focus on a, something like a project or a creative endeavor. Was that your reason for drinking also? Yeah, I actually, yeah, I would. Uh, going back to, you know, using that as a form of, of therapy to cope with being sexually assaulted. I, that was that was the reason I had begun drinking. I was, I, di- I didn't drink really before that. You know, yeah. I, I would like experiment with alcohol, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know, to just be frank, I was... 18 years old, new to New York City. I mean, I'm from DC, so I'm familiar with, you know, a big city. And I was like, just fresh in my own space and my own element and very green to, you know, people and, you know, intentions and things like that. So I had been in a situation where my safety was compromised. And after, you know, being sexually assaulted, I had gone to therapy, uh, the, the therapy that the school, you know, provides. And I felt very conflicted, unsafe. You know, I I wasn't able to connect with a therapist who was a white male therapist at that time, had like a notebook, just continued to flip through the pages as he was, you know, taking notes on me. And I felt very disconnected from the experience. And I remember like literally being in, in, in the dorm, like in my room, in my bed for like a week, like not really talking to anybody, not really knowing how to speak about the experience and what had happened to me. But I did have a roommate at that time who was already 21. And she just had liquor in that, you know, in the refrigerator around. And she was very just like free spirited. So it was around, it was there. And I found that when I would drink, I could just like completely you know, transform into this person with like no inhibitions, basically. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, like you said, quieting those voices. I didn't have to think about anything. But what I did learn over time as I had gotten older and more attuned with my feelings when I wasn't drinking is that there was something going on with me internally and mentally that would be triggered when I would drink. Contingent on So sometimes people, you know, I I would hear people say, and I would be one of those people say like, oh, like if I drink tequila, I'm going to be like this. Or if I drink Hennessy, I'm going to get like this. But when I drink this, I'll be like this and this like this. But for me, it was like, no, when I'm going through this, it doesn't matter what I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm going to have this experience. And and that when I when I really focused and honed in like this is this has everything to do with my mental. That's when I knew I had to get ahead of my addiction, yeah. uh, get sober and ultimately create sober in the morning, which is all about redefining sobriety by focusing on like the mental health aspect of things. I mean, it's so important. I think that booze is so ugh accessible 
and yeah. marketed as, as such the answer and it's so sexy too it is so it's like alluring and the marketing is behind it and i mean it's such a big part of our economy and like yeah. you know it's just everywhere it's everywhere so i think it's enlightening to see that your story is very similar to i think a lot of women's where mm-hmm. you have something traumatic happen and and booze is handed or seen and in your hand as a way to cope it's just I, i'm just so happy that you worked through that and that i did too we both worked yes through it. absolutely and and when i started to even you know learn more about like the statistics without giving you any numbers because I'm like really bad at that. I found that a lot of sexual assaults happened through some form of drug or alcohol even to alter one state to then be in this position or the aftermath of coping from your experience to to take you out of that element, you know, to take you out of that space about thinking of those things. So yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely unfortunately it is a drug and when when mishandled and misused it can it can be very dangerous yeah and also it's it's interesting that in this society we're expected to know how to handle the drug that is booze and have it's encouraged to find a healthy balance but in reality there's it's really no healthy balance i mean there are people who i guess are normies and normal drinkers but it's you're just as easily able to slip into an unhealthy dynamic, you know? I absolutely agree. And I I mean, just the normalization behind it where one could say, like, if I have this during this time or just this one drink. And and everyone's different because for me, one drink was silly. Like, no, like one drink is like the pregame. Then yeah. it's the next drink. And then the third drink is where I'm like... Okay, now we're now now we're getting somewhere. Right. You know, I found that so much of my experience, like going out and just like having quote unquote fun, was heavily reliant on how tipsy I was. Yeah. So then I was like, do I even actually want to be here? Am I actually even enjoying these people? You know, like, yeah. or is it just me? Like, where am I? Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a good, I mean, it's just so so good to say. I think everybody can kind of take something away from that where, especially after 2020, so much of what has been defined as fun is, uh, you know, Zoom and cocktail or uh, yeah. a drinking game, watching a show or, you know, ordering a cocktail to your house from your favorite restaurant. I mean, it really is so central around booze so reevaluating that and how much joy that brings you and if you really want it to be a pillar of your joy i mean it's not a super stable one i'll tell you that it cracks and it shakes and it breaks and it will crumble it will Mm. did you know that millennials and gen z are consuming 20 to 30 percent less alcohol and devoting more time to being alcohol free than any other generation before them I fall into that category and I am committed to being a non-drinker. My favorite tool has to be Free Spirits. They have three delicious spirits with no alcohol and all the flavor palette of bourbon, gin, and tequila. It's the perfect one-to-one replacement for any of your cocktails. Want to join me for a better drink? Head to drinkfreespirits.com and get yours. Use discount clearheaded20 for 20% off your first purchase. One-time use per person. 
I love Sober in the Morning, your podcast. They're bite-sized. They're delicious. The music is great that you have. They're really nice to wake up to. I, I listened to your most recent one while doing my makeup this morning, and I just felt oh, I love it. nice and Thank revitalized. You. Thank you. <laughs> when I reached out to you, I mentioned that I had listened to your episode one of your season two, which was started from the bathroom, now we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And you said something that really made me take pause and reflect a little bit, which was that we exist, women, we as women, black women, women of color exist in this world of sobriety. And I wanted to talk about that for a little bit because it's something that I, as a white woman, have noticed but really don't see it in my you know day-to-day because I'm obviously have a bias when Mm -hmm. I see things but I really want to talk about that point which is that women of color black women have a voice in sobriety but it's not seen as forefront Mm -hmm. and you're changing that with your podcast which I just love so much because sobriety is very diverse But the way that we look at sobriety and diversity is a little like polarizing almost sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Um, I would say and I and I completely understand where you're coming from, you know, operating from a level of bias based off of, you know, where you are, you know, in your demographic, where you are possibly in your social circles or, you know, even your experiences. Right. And I don't think, you know black people and even through my experiences as as a black woman which I always lead with first right because no matter like I don't even have to say like as a black woman because as soon as you see me and I step outside I'm already that's who I am right but we don't we don't get to operate in a space of bias because we it's already put on us you know and then it being a double minority it's it's automatically put on you that like oh yeah, you're black in this space. I've always gone to quote unquote good schools, which are predominantly white schools, right? So even in my college experience, it would be like, okay, well, what does Zodi think? And I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not the black thought today. Like, I can't, you know? But but I don't, you don't really get to check out as, as a person of color and just be like, I don't want to do this because you just always have to show up stand out and, you know, always say like work twice as hard to get, you know, half as much. And so the reason why it's so important and, and why I lead with being a black woman in, in, in everything, and particularly when we're talking about the space of sobriety, is because we are exceptionally strong, exceptionally bright, except, and, and exceptional in, in pretty much everything that we do. But when it and I, and I posted this the other day, like being a black person in America is already sobering enough. So then adding that, okay, and I'm going to be sober with everything that we have to experience and everything that we have to navigate, we need to see one another. We need that level of visibility. And it would be foolish for me to assume that like I'm the only black person talking about sobriety in this world, right? Because there's, um, when I first became, when I was in recovery, I was actually, um, navigating and looking for my tribe and uh, I met a beautiful woman named Katie who has a platform called Sober Black Girls and so there are a host of, of, of women out there who look like me who I can connect with but when we look and we speak from a major platform right and, and within media it's heavily dominated by white women and I think it's important to just like show face and show up and be like no we are here specifically for young people to know like 
you know, my goal is to make sober, like sober is sexy, you know, like you can be fun. You can be the life of party if you want to continue to be out and be around. You don't need a buffer. All you need is you. And if you don't feel comfortable to show up as your authentic sober self in those spaces, you probably don't even need to be in those spaces. You find that they genuinely don't serve you. If you have to, because when I speak to people on sober in the morning, I would say that the majority of my audience thus far are people that actually drink you know, or, or smoke or do whatever it is. And, and I want to open the space up to that, uh, to, to everyone, which is why I talk about redefining sobriety through conversations on mental health and wellness, because I find that if we have these conversations about what we have going on internally, you won't get that drink later. Or if you do, you're more cognizant on, uh, about what's going on with you. Right. But I encourage people to consider, like, if I feel that I, quote unquote, need this thing to be in this space, do I actually need to be in this space? And that's what I feel is most important. And as a, you know, a woman of color, just saying, like, I see you, I understand you, I know that, you know, there are so many expectations to do, to be, but prioritize yourself first, prioritize yourself and, and and your first mind. And our first mind is our sober mind. And and that's what I lead with. And and that's what I think is so important. Lovely. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your perspective. Just so, 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 so much. I value it. I love everything you just said. And I really, really, really love that if you think you can't be in a space without booze, Mm-hmm. or some kind of substance to make you more comfortable there, maybe you shouldn't be in that space. Absolutely. God, that is Absolutely. a good place to start. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is planting the seeds to get to sobriety. And if you just, yeah. if you're listening and you just open yourself up, if you're a little bit curious, start asking those small, small questions, observing your surroundings, and those sobriety plants will grow. Because it's beautiful and it's refreshing and it and it's being sober or a non-drinker, however you want to phrase it, mm-hmm. is a really healthy, lovely place to be. I want to ask you a final question. If you were sitting across from somebody or anybody who's listening who's saying, okay, I want to try to be sober. Is there anything that you love to have in your toolkit? That's a great question. And it's a question that I do get asked often in like a different way. Like, what did you do when you first became sober? Like, what did you start using? You know, I love mocktails. I love non-alcoholic drinks and uh, things like that. But I know that I'm like four years in to the space and where I can go out and I can sit at a bar and I can oftentimes tell a bartender how to make a mocktail for me, you know, and I can have these drinks that are non-alcoholic or, you know, like double zero or Mm -hmm. basically just, I can now participate in this lifestyle with these drinks that are reminiscent to alcohol without participating in alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I'm leading with that to say, like, don't be so quick to jump out there to get like the non-alcoholic drink or, you know, spirit or whatever the case may be, because sometimes it can be a trigger to kind of throw you in a space of relapse and and recognize that, you know, a part of the recovery journey is sometimes relapsing. And like that, you know, depending on who you are and where you are, that can be okay. Sometimes 
we maybe we need those moments to like fall back to remind ourselves how to get back in place. Mm -hmm. So I would say the first and number one thing that you need in your toolkit is patience and to have patience, but but to have basically aware of yourself and and open to what is to come, right? And so maybe that can look like having a journal that you check in with yourself, whether it's nightly or weekly or recommending voice notes because that was very helpful for me. So maybe if you don't, if you're not fond of journaling, just having like your voice notes and you can like have a stream of consciousness and talk about how you're feeling and it's something you can reflect back to or even using your your actual phone at, to record yourself and, and like creating video journals that don't have to be for social media, that can totally be for you. So I'd say that first thing is having patience with yourself and finding a form of using like a diary, like a personal journey diary, whether, whether it's journaling, uh, voice memos, voice notes, or a video journal to to share your experience with yourself. And then the other thing, because there's so many things, I but I would say that's like the number one. The number two, like you said, of course, is listening to Sober in the Morning. And the other thing, you know, I think that people often are always looking for their tribe, you know, some, someone or someone so that they can connect with. And if you're blessed to be in a city that offers places like meetups and things like that, or even online meetups, I think that's amazing. But I think that taking this time to spend time with yourself you know, and, and really focus on that journey within is going to be so amazing because this experience may or may not be very isolating for you. And so you're going to want to get very comfortable with yourself and know that like you are taking these steps and you're taking this journey for yourself. Because I find that, you know, whenever people do things for other people, whether it's your kids, your husband, your wife, your, you know, whatever the case may be, if if you're not doing it for you, you're not going to stay on the path. Yeah. And just know that you deserve to do it for yourself. You're so Absolutely. worthy. It doesn't need to be exterior. It can be just for you. Mm-hmm. You're worthy. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this lovely conversation. I feel enlightened. I feel motivated. Thank you for having me today. This episode was produced by Sarah Ashcraft, music by Honeydew, and recorded at The Wave. For more tips, tricks, and tools, subscribe to our mailing list by heading to theclearheadedpodcast.com and entering in your email. Talk to you next week.